Hello everyone, and welcome to episode 240 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week. We're back from Vegas, and we got a ton of news to talk about, starting off, of course, with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How are you this week, Richard? Are you recovered from our GP Vegas trip? Uh, yes, I slept like 20 hours when I got home. <laughs> ate like a million meals to <laughs> to catch up on all the food and sleep we were lacking and then played way too much modern so yeah i'm totally caught up <laughs> uh well well that is good it's good to be back and how about you crim didn't did you go to like pax or something already did you already go to another trip after vegas yeah i i went to crunchyroll <laughs> convention uh which I, I'm not gonna lie to you, back to back, uh, conventions, uh, definitely took a toll on me. But, you know, I, I finally rested up yesterday. Well, I got to sleep more than four hours yesterday. So, feels pretty good. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, I, I don't know. That's what I realized coming back from Vegas this weekend. Like, how do people do this every weekend? I'm like, follow so many people on Twitter that are like going from tournament to tournament or convention to convention. I don't know how they do it. Like, major <laughs> respect to those people. I, I do not think I could handle it. I go to like two tournaments a year and that is, that's enough. <laughs> they, they must have like the craziest immune system to, uh, <laughs> to avoid all of like the convention flus. I'm, I'm surprised. I, I'm also <laughs> pretty surprised I don't have the con cruds. I, I think it's because yeah. I hand sanitized every 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. I, I managed to uh, dodge that this year as well, which is good because last year I got super sick after Vegas and that, that was rough. But anyway, uh, enough Vegas talk. I'm glad everyone's back. We have a fun cast today. We have a lot to talk about, really. Uh, Two main topics. First off, modern, post-banning modern, our new modern format. Going to spend a while talking about that. And then we will also talk about some arena stuff, especially the historic announcement on arena. And then, of course, fish mail, which we missed last week. Got to get to fish mail this week. So before we jump into all of that, we have a sponsor today. Our show is brought to you by SpikesAcademy.com. And Spikes Academy is presenting a new course about limited with Hall of Famer Ben Stark. In the course, Ben will teach you how to build better draft and seal decks and how to evaluate cards in limited. So get ready to crush your next pre-release tournament with Spikes Academy and the new limited course with Ben Stark. You can even use the code GOLDFISH to get 5% off over at SpikesAcademy.com today. So thank you so much to Spikes Academy for supporting the show. And with our sponsorship stuff out of the way... Let's talk modern. So we had the big banning, Faithless Looting gone, Stoneforge in the format, Hogak, of course, we knew that was happening, that's gone. Have you guys been playing modern in the last week since we've had the banning? What do you think about this format? What do you think about the bannings? Uh, let me know. What do you think about modern? So modern is so good right now. <laughs> like, yeah. you, you queue up and you can play like 20 matches and play like 20 different decks, like the way modern used to be. Uh, so, it is so, and it's slowed down. It's so when I play a mid range deck, it's not like, oh, I'm dead already, right? Like, oh, you know, you can actually play games of magic. There's interaction, things are happening. Uh, so actually, I think modern is in a really good spot. Stoneforge Mystic kind of sucks. <laughs> uh, even in this, like, uh, grindy, my experience with it is uh, not a lot of people are playing Stoneforge decks. And when they do play, they, they seem really underpowered. Maybe you guys have some specialists, but uh, I've been playing a lot of non-black jund i have cut all the black from my jund list wait no this, wait this, does is that how, mean, this, is, this, this is what it's come down to boys does that mean you're all in on ren and six yes i am actually <laughs> so i played red and six jund for a bit more right after all of our talking things i'm like no this still sucks right this card is bad it like it doesn't help the jund game plan and it stretches my mana base and thought sees kind of sucks Right, because what I noticed is every single match, I would always sideboard out thought seasons and lilies, right? Uh, so I'm like, what is the point of these cards? So I actually just cut those all together and replaced with Utopia Sprawl, Arbor Elf, and Blood Moon. Ooh. And uh, this deck is actually really good. I've gone, uh, let's see, I, I went three two and then three four ones. So whatever that combined record is, which is like an amazing record for a mid range deck, right? My normal record with Jun is probably like three two. Wow, so that is very impressive. A turn two Blood Moon will get you. And then since you're all in and red in six, you're like loaded up with seasoned Pyromancers and Tireless Trackers. 
whereas Jun doesn't have the luxury of playing so many. You're only playing like two ofs and one ofs and things like that. So, and I'm playing three cycle lands, so I can actually get value out of red and six. And then the spice is uh, storm breath dragons and one bane fire. <laughs> and bane like you, fire. you turn to because everyone's everyone's trying to play Stoneforge Mystic in their random shell, so they're all going three colors. And, and then you slap down a turn two blood moon, and they're dead, right? Yes. And then you can actually finish the game out. So uh, it's welcome. way more disruptive than a Thoughtseize and an Inquisition could ever be. Oh, welcome to the dark side, Richard. Once you cast a turn two Blood Moon, you just you never go back. That's all you want to do. <laughs> you, you know, you know, what's, you know, it's so sad though. I would play turn two Blood Moon against Tron and still lose, and I'm like, are you serious? So I, I had to add like collector oops to the sideboard to actually kill Tron. But uh, yeah, I, I, at one point I was up to four Blood Moons and three Megas of the Moons. <laughs> but now now I'm just down to four blood moons and one mega sideboard okay oh, <laughs> that's so many blood moon but effects. against two color decks you still auto win with blood moon it's like actually crazy yeah blood like moon. a turn two blood moon they haven't fetched they, or they only fetched up one land already and they, they just lose right they they can't keep up they can still play magic but they're like too slow now and you're gonna overpower them with your actual uh you know jund threats which are all red and green at the moment i kind of want to play a stoneforge blood moon deck i was actually thinking about that before the podcast like that could actually be kind of sweet like turn two blood moon and stoneforge kind of like the boros prison deck but without the bad prison pieces and with so you like stoneforge what, what are your guys I... takes on stoneforge i actually think it's a really bad card ah. <laughs> crim what what is your experience good ben? bad i okay so i played like four leagues total I went two and three, three and two, and then four one four one. Uh, I I tried it in Esper, and I'm not I'm not gonna lie, it's it's cool. I don't know if it's what I want in a control deck. To be completely honest with you, uh, yeah, I was gonna I, ask you. You played it in a control shell, right? Or right. Did you play it in a mid range or tempo. I played it. The all four leagues were in a control shell, and th- there were games like where it was obviously just awesome right like it, it helped my burn matchup significantly especially with the scg event that happened this weekend everyone brought burn and it, unless somebody starts main decking ways to deal with the batter skull i think if i get stoneforge on like and, and get the batter skull out it, it's pretty much over but uh yeah like i it's very medium now maybe i should just i i the only thing i i got from it was that i want to play esper like mid-range i noticed that mentor uh like monastery mentor is absurd and i don't know if that's just like if like really that needs stoneforge and maybe i could just play esper mid-range like esper spells with teferi and spell queller uh but like like that so far it's just been decent it, it it's not format warping and it doesn't feel like you know i <laughs> It doesn't feel like I auto-win the game even when I have Stoneforge. Yeah, I think... So, I have also been playing Stoneforge. I I cheated a little bit on my vacation. I couldn't resist. I actually played... I've been playing the the Bant deck that... Uh, I think I showed you guys right before you left Vegas that I just yeah. kind of like threw together and uh, start off with two five O's in a row <laughs> while I was still in Vegas. Then I went four one and then three two. So I don't know if that means the deck is getting worse or my luck is just getting worse, but I was been really impressed with it. It is definitely not the control shell. It's more of a definitely a mid range like creaturey flash style shell. I've actually I had some cryptics and stuff, and I actually cut those to play more threats. So it's more of like a creature value deck. And I don't know how good Stoneforge is. Like I think it's a good threat, and I wouldn't cut it from the deck. But I'm not sure how responsible it actually is for most of my wins. It seems like a lot of my wins are actually like three fairy and spell queller is just like an insane combination <laughs> and then yeah. like fairy. restoration yeah. angel to like blink the spell queller and like welcome to crib yeah, seriously yes. welcome welcome Sam. <laughs> i didn't i didn't realize that synergy existed though and now i'm like yeah. addicted to it it's like so good that static ability is just so insane with spell queller so yeah uh but the deck has been really good i don't know how much of it is stoneforge like occasionally stoneforge is great and I've been playing uh, the Red Black Sword from Modern Horizons, and I oh, actually yeah, yeah, think that yeah. sword is, like, really good. I, I was playing it because I thought it would be a good way to win Stoneforge Mirrors, but I've actually been amazed how good it is against other decks where you can, uh, like, snipe artifacts and, like, Karns and stuff against Tron. You just, like, tutor it up through your sword, equip it, and, like, kill a Karn with it. I've had, like, blue-white control decks just scoop to it because you're, like, blowing up maybe their Stoneforge equipment and killing their Jace or whatever. 
it's really good against Word decks too. All the like Wurza decks where you're just like picking off random artifacts. So that's been yeah. my sleeper. I think. I think that card is actually like I don't know if I'd main deck it, but it's one of my go-to sideboard cards, and it's been very impressive. Yeah. No. After after Vegas, and we all sat around, and then like you know Richard and and, and we were all talking about sort of Sindhu and Steel. I then threw it also yeah, in my you deck. You guys all mocked me yes. for it. Yes, I remember. <laughs> yeah. you, you were right. You were right. You're right. You're right. I I agree. The, the sword the sword has been the truth. I mean I mean maybe because of the matchups I got, but I also equipped it like just like being able to end of turn like play Snapcaster and then swing in with the sword <laughs> picked off so many things and it it was absurd. Like the were matchup I had, it, it was absolutely nuts. So so from the mid range side, here's my experience with Stoneforge Mystic. It eats a lightning bolt immediately. <laughs> y- okay? Yes, and then like eight turns later. You can sit there and pick up and drop batter skulls, but it is like totally irrelevant, right? Tarmogoyfs are bigger. My tireless trackers, my scavenging uses, my Eldrazi, my Karns, like everything is bigger than batter skull later in the game. So it's actually pretty bad. And then uh, maybe I'm lucky because I'm playing Jund, but the swords never hit. <laughs> uh, so if they if they get like a feast and famine, you block with like seasoned pyromancer tokens, right? If they get a fire knight, you block with Tarmogoyf. It's actually pretty hard to actually get a sword to hit without actual evasion. So I actually found that Stoneforge decks actually did nothing, right? And that's not even to talk about the case where you just get Coligans commanded, uh, which feels super good, <laughs> killing a batter skull and getting another effect with it. So I actually think Stoneforge doesn't do much in the mid-range match. And in Legacy, you have two things going for you, right? You have Gite, which basically lets you win all creature mirrors. Uh, in this case, it really does nothing, right? Like, Batter Skull is actually kind of small. Like, we talk about how Tarmogoyf is, like, too undersized. Batter Skull is even worse, right? And then also, you can't get the swords to hit as easily because you don't have a true name nemesis. I tried the Hex Drinker plan. It's, like, really slow. Don't, don't try that. <laughs> right? If you have, if you have a Progenitus, you don't need a sword on it, okay? Uh, but, like, getting things to hit, you kind of need to play Lingering Souls or something. But then, like, it's bad, right? So what Krim said was actually the best plan, where you like end of turn Snapcaster <laughs> and then try to equip the sword while they're tapped out and kill them. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. Underwhelming. I, I think the banning of looting <laughs> is like way more, you know, impactful than the Stoneforge thing. But what, what it does is make Blood Moon decks so good because everyone tries to jam Stoneforge into their decks. But <laughs> I mean, I, I I got paired against Dredge by the way a few times still, and uh, Dredge is still good. Yeah, like it's now using like Tome Scours and <laughs> instead of Faithless Looting. And I, I, I mean, I, I got paired against one of those playing Tome Scours, Haunted Dead, and you know, doing all of that fancy schmancy stuff. And I was still, I luckily was able to beat it drawing my singleton like rest in peace but <laughs> I've been I've been cheating so hard on graveyard hate it went from playing like six or eight graveyard hate spells like two weeks ago to now I'm like eh maybe I'll play like a rest in peace that'll be fine That's like exactly <laughs> what I thought <laughs> I'm playing four lane I'm, lines I, I, but I like I like this version of dredge it's still a little cheaty with uh, their stupid creeping chills but you can actually fight through all their stuff right like a single plague engineer something like actually just stops their entire deck so you can actually fight through it and you know sometimes they will just auto win but it's it's more interactive than like say hogak where there's like literally nothing you could do just like just wait till you die so i actually like this version uh of dredge it feels like you can beat it it feels like you can do something and yeah. I think, yeah, I think it's mostly slow enough uh, compared to Hogak as well that your graveyard hate is actually, like, more relevant in those matchups. Like, a rest in peace actually is good when, like, on the draw against Hogak, like, rest in peace isn't even enough most of the time. So it, I think that's my biggest takeaway from all of Modern is it feels so fair right now. And I know that might change. It's been a couple weeks. Everyone's trying, like Richard was saying, these Stoneforge decks, these three color piles. So maybe it will get more degenerate and more broken, but I have not had this much fun and felt like I was actually playing this much magic in modern for literally years. Like you fire up a modern queue and there's like a better than 50, 50 chance. You're actually going to like play a game of magic where you're like killing stuff and your <laughs> opponent's killing your stuff and thought seizing you. And you're like, you play for like 20 minutes and a bunch of turns. And it's so, it reminds me wait, of that. Wait, wait, wait. Wait. Let's move the goalpost for a second. So what, what is happening right now? Right. We're getting burned to our face. 
Oh, I'm yeah. playing and I'm big playing, mana decks. I've been playing up to four core firewalkers in my sideboard, so come at me, Burn. Come <laughs> I, at me. I, I, I've been playing uh, Pulse of the Fields, and I've been getting people Burn decks with it. Oh, it feels so good. <laughs> so do how, how do we feel about big mana decks? They, they've kind Annoying. of made a comeback. So Tron, <laughs> the good guy during Hogak Summer, <laughs> right? Nice and then, guy, Tron. Uh, Escape Shift <laughs> and those kind of decks. The thing I... So... I hate Tron more than basically any deck. You, you know that about me. But I feel like those decks are beatable. Like, if those, if Burn and Tron are at the top of the meta, I feel like you can build a sideboard that's going to give most decks that, uh, that you're building a chance to compete in those matchups. So while Tron being awesome isn't my favorite thing, it definitely feels more fair and realistic than a lot of our past metas where it was like oh like how do you possibly beat Hogak how do you possibly beat like Dredge with Golgari Grave Troll where it felt like you're kind of helpless you had this feeling like well I can do everything possible and build my deck right and I'm probably still just like gonna lose because the deck is so busted I don't feel that way against Burner Tron even though I really don't like those decks so I'm pretty okay with those decks being at the top of the meta because I feel like you can build in a way that targets them and beats them a reasonable amount of the time you know it's bad when I'm like, oh, thank God it's only a Karn. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I can beat Karn. It's fine, right? This is this is how traumatized we were from Hogak. What about some of the, the newer kids that we were afraid would take over the meta uh, once Hogak was gone? So like Urza, uh, various Urza decks. I think four-color Urza won the open, I believe. Yeah. Running six decks. I think, th- I think those would be the, the two new decks that got kind of got overshadowed by by Hogak. What do you guys think of those decks? I think Wurza is actually very good. Uh that might be the way to go when like you know if you like your combo-y artifact style of deck. Yeah, I think Wurza is definitely in the top tier of decks right now along with like you said like Tron and Burn. As far as Renin 6, I think I'm coming around to the idea that even if cards like Stoneforge or Renin 6 are the best cards in the meta, I think that's a meta that I'm kind of happy with. Like, it, it, sure, maybe those cards will end up being really good, but those are, like, incentivizing this, like, fairer, slower style of play. So maybe, like, it just feels better, I guess. Like, sure, maybe it's too good. Maybe you're going to lose to it more than you should, but you're actually, like, getting to play games of Magic. So I think I'm kind of okay. And I, personally, I have not ran into that many Ren and Sixes in the leagues that I've been playing. I've been running into, like, just infinite Stoneforge decks along with Burn and Tron. That has been a huge percentage of the matches that I've played. Uh, but I think I'm okay with cards like Ren and Six or Stoneforge being the best cards in the format, if that's where we end up. Yeah. yeah. Jun, Jun is bad again, boys. That's why <laughs> you just dropped the black. <laughs> what uh, What's but, the matter with Jun, then? Like, what? why is Jun not good at the moment? So big mana decks continue to be a problem. Like, just stop <laughs> seizing people doesn't do anything. Like, for example, when I play my Ren and Six deck against Jun, like, it's an auto-win, practically, because... Uh, they're starting the game with all these thought seizes in their decks, right? We're going to play a mid-range mirror. Your thought seizes are dead. Uh, and then I'm playing Blood Moon, so that forces them to keep thought seize in post-board or get Blood Mooned. And then that also just makes their game fall apart. Like, John, it's, it's like Batter Skull, right? It's like, it's just not good enough to go long. It's like really hard to go long when people are playing, you know, Eldrazi or Titans off the top or to fairies like you don't <laughs> you need to kill them right like you can't sit there and let people top deck anymore like modern's too powerful we need like a bigger tarmogoyf and tarmogoyf's got buffed right because tarmogoyf on average is now i would say a five six whereas before i would say the average tarmogoyf's a four five so even though tarmogoyf's been buffed it's like he's still not strong enough he, he's not that good like a death shadow is like better right so the, the same problem remains uh, i mean death shadow's also made a return I've been running into a lot of that. Yeah. So I mean, maybe maybe you just play Shadow now, right? Like that could be your your Jun style deck, either the Grixis variant or the Mardu. I I love playing Death Shadow. They're like, yeah, fetch down. I'm like, okay, Bane fire you for nine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, sorry, you're dead. I would be nervous. Or, or you blood with them. They can't lose life anymore. <laughs> they can't sack their fetches. I would be nervous like, about nice playing one, one with Death Burn. Shadows. Like, the burn matchup seems really miserable. Maybe it's not as bad as it looks, but I can't imagine you want to play Death Shadow in a burn-heavy meta. That seems so risky. Yeah, there's a lot of burn, and there's also a lot of, like, variants of Death Shadow. That's, like, 
pretty much been my testing. I mean, I ran into a few like Sahili combos and stuff like that along the way. What's the natural enemy of Burn? Uh, soul Sisters. Like a storm? I guess. Soul, 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 soul Sisters. Sister. <laughs> that is, that yes, is soul true. Sisters. <laughs> I hope you're ready. <laughs> uh, I think just like sideboard cards. I don't know. Like... I guess you can probably faster combo decks. I guess like Storm yeah. is probably actually maybe like, Verza. Legitimate. I don't know. Verza seems resilient. If we if, we know. we shouldn't bring up Storm because I'm trying to make keep that off the radar so people stop playing that. So no, Storm <laughs> is not good. Please do not play Storm. <laughs> no, no. Uh, that that I think Storm right now actually would be pretty solid, right? If everyone's playing a mid range deck. Yeah, and people like there are some results from the Twiddle Storm deck too that are still showing up. So I think like someone was. I was talking on Twitter earlier today about how much I love modern right now, and they uh, pointed out that if Stoneforge is what everyone's doing, it's only a matter of time until the fast combo decks show up, because that's, like, the easiest way to beat Stoneforge decks is just to, like, kill them before all their value stuff is actually relevant. So, we'll see. Like, maybe this is just the honeymoon period after the bannings when everyone's trying cool things, and maybe, like, two months from now, it's gonna be all, like... <laughs> uninteractive combo decks again and we'll be back to where we were before but i really feel like even after just like this week faithless looting banning was such a good call by wizards i was like 50 50 on whether they should actually ban it and now that i've got to play the format with it being banned it was such a good choice and the format is so much better as a result it, it, it for me it was like i always thought that should have gone like that that should have been banned way sooner so i'm happy that they eventually got to it now that just means ancient stirrings your time your time is <laughs> I'm, I'm keeping an eye out on that on, on you and i'm waiting for that to go because i think not i don't think it's gonna go because i think modern is in a decent oh, place it, right? it, it, it has to be something like all the top eight decks are degenerate ancient stirrings decks and we're not seeing that and granted it's only a week right but you know how long did it take for us to discover hogak right so i i don't I don't think we're going to find like that crazy deck that actually has like a crazy win percentage that we're going to be back to regular modern where you can play whatever you want. And yes, some deck will be the best deck, but it'll just be a few percentage points above the rest of the field and you're not going to have Hogak or Eldrazi or something like that, right? I think we're back to normal modern well, where I just leave up 75 random cards and then play and like have a good time throne of eldraine is around the corner and there could be something new <laughs> all right so the next time we see a card with like six or more keywords that seems unkillable <laughs> and <laughs> like the first thing i'm gonna look for is is it in black and green or does it have hybrid black and green mana does it have a way to get cheated out with the graveyard any anything coming from the graveyard delve or <laughs> any like anything like that i'm gonna immediately say they should ban that i mean i think I think it's just free spells but I, I think without looting i think it really neuters the graveyard deck so hopefully hopefully we don't have another graveyard deck but then we'll just complain about the next thing right how long until we're, we're sick of karn i'm looted? i've i've always been sick of karn <laughs> yeah i've, been I, sick of I've those always for years now. been sick of karn richard that <laughs> karn is fine man like it's the ugin that gets you it, it's always <laughs> been is not fine. the lesser of two evils i mean yeah i disliked hogak but oh don't don't you worry i despise tron <laughs> so so before we talk about arena and historic Let's fast forward a year into the future. Uh, where do you think Stoneforge will be? Like, is it going to be a top tier card, a second tier card, third tier, unplayable? Like, like, what do you think happens with Stoneforge once the metagame kind of shakes out? It'll be like Tarmogoyf, unplayable. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like Stoneforge's future, unlike Richard. I, I think. Really? I think that. Maybe right now the configuration of what what I have isn't right, but there are blue white versions running around uh, that's that that is playing the control shell, and it's like got four spell snares, four mana leaks, like four forces of negation, and and some amount of cryptics, and and like maybe that's the way to go with it. Just like don't try to do the three color stuff, just straight up do Azorius. But um, Stoneforge's future also is bright because let let's say there's a new equipment. There could be some kind of new equipment in, in the next year, um, especially maybe, maybe even Eldraine. And, and maybe it makes Stoneforge absurdly awesome and modern to where it's still balanced. Because to me, I think no matter how good Stoneforge is in modern, maybe I'll, I'll like, you know, regret saying this, but no matter how good Stoneforge is in modern, it'll still feel pretty fair, if you would. 
uh, what if there's a Gta <laughs> tell me how fair that sounds <laughs> I think it's I, great because I'm not on a creature deck so yeah I'm fine with that <laughs> I think I think Stoneforge is going to be a part of the meta. I would not be yeah. surprised if it was a top-tier card, or at least a, a key part of a top-tier deck a year from now. But I do think that whatever fears there were of it, like, dominating the meta, and, like, you have to play Stoneforge in every deck to be able to compete, uh, that looks pretty silly after a week yeah. of playing with Stoneforge in the format. Like, I don't think it's anywhere near that. So I think it's playable, and it'll be good in certain decks, but I definitely don't have any fear about it being too good. Yeah, I, I think it'll be relegated to Tier 2 unless they print something, and that something being, like, a true name type card. So basically a creature that was born to carry swords right <laughs> or a wep you know a, a, an equipment that like wins you the game like GTA does right if you get a GTA down against a creature deck you've won the game so until we get one of those two it's not it's not worth it right because Stoneforge will always be bad against combo and like big mana decks <laughs> well you're right? so, the, the entire fair deck is bad against exactly that, right, right? So, so if you if you need something to like just obliterate other fair decks Right, like some equipment or some creature that will just give you the upper hand in the creature matchup, and that that will you know you'll win those, and then you'll lose all the unfair ones, right? But with, without that, there's just no point to playing Stoneforge. I can't imagine that we get an equipment that's better than what we already have. Like it's just been so it's been since New Phyrexia since we've even had a standard playable equipment. So it, I mean, maybe in like a future Modern Horizons or something, but I would be really shocked if all of a sudden we got like oh something better what, what than better skull and swords like i've seen people fetching their sword of the meeks with stone forges like it, it could be something like that there there was that esper like esper urza like deck that is kind of like a mid-range deck did you see that it's an I esper urza i don't think deck. i've seen that one yeah it <laughs> i forgot where i saw it uh like i know i like it was somewhere online but it, it was it was interesting it, i don't know why i would play it over just wurza and just kill him but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to get the mid-range value to gain four life on every attack i mean yeah yeah that you is can tap your batter skull for a mana like that's that's so nice <laughs> hey that's that's a can i can i use it to play a teferi i, know. <laughs> I, I actually want to see a red and six stone forge deck like naya yeah like i don't know how you would do this right but like all that extra mana you're getting from red and six will let you actually pick up and drop your batter skull again <laughs> <laughs> I do love like the, when you play your Stoneforge on turn two and it gets pathed and then they like oh, yeah. just naturally ramp yeah. you into your batter skull. So I think you probably don't run into that problem playing your like gruel deck or jun deck, but against other white base decks, you're pretty okay with your Stoneforge getting pathed. You're like, sure, I'll just like okay cast my batter skull. <laughs> <laughs> it's like free lands, yes. Yeah, I I I actually don't I, I feel real bad. Like if that's the, there's a reason why I'm not just on blue white, because on turn two, if I see a Stoneforge and I have to path that, <laughs> I'm like Oh no! <laughs> what if they just go into like Jace or something like that? <laughs> I'm just That's like, all right, you vapor snag it. No, oh, oh, oh yes, yes, Richard's Wait, still you can, on uh, the vapor snag plan. <laughs> uh, I guess you can dismember it. That's like your only option. I just just fatal push it. Just push it. Oh well, yeah, you can play black then. Yeah, yeah, you just play Esper, and then you'll go, you'll get to have Esper charms. Which mm. I mean, I I I guess if we also count that, I I recently went to my F and M, and you know I. Did fairly well with Stoneforge there, uh, but that's just because the entire meta at <laughs> my LGS is just nothing but blue-white control, so. <laughs> uh, all right, so that's modern. It's awesome. Uh, I think we all agree on that. Let's talk a little bit about Arena, though. We got a pretty big Arena announcement. We've been waiting to kind of get more details on the historic format, the, I guess, Arena modern, quote-unquote, like saying that very loosely, but the non-rotating format on Arena. This week, we got the announcement. Uh, Richard, why don't you, do you have the kind of TLDR for everyone before we jump into it? Uh, yes, we're moving from good modern to bad modern. <laughs> so, so Wizards released a bunch of news on Historic. So we know Historic was going to be a non-rotating format for Arena. However, people were very upset this week, right? And kind of the big, the big news of Historic is wild cards will cost twice as much, uh, to when you, 
craft something that's historic. So two rare wild cards for rare, two mythic wild cards for mythic. Uh, they're adding 15 to 20 cards from quote-unquote Magic's history uh, roughly every quarter. And then if you want to buy packs, they come in 45-pack bundles. And uh, I think that's it. And they're going to add historic events once a month. They're going to have a limited time queue. And then your constructed rank will share between a historic and standard. I think it's yeah. once a quarter for a month. So like four times a year for a month. There'll be a, a competitive historic event, if I'm understanding it right. I thought, hold on, wait. So wait, I, what? I thought there was a, an event every month. Yeah. So the, I think the events are like you know, like our our uh, planes walking vacation events and things like that, right? Yeah. And then the queues will be there, I believe. Oh, the queues will be going up once a quarter, so you'll be able to play like a ranked queue once a quarter for a month. I remember them saying, like, the month before a new set releases, they would have up, like, the the queues for Historic. But maybe there's just multiple announcements there. Not, but regardless, they will have some events for Historic at various times, not evergreen and up all the time. Although you can play casually, right, uh, at any time with Historic, but the actual, like, events and queues will come and go. So what do you think about... Let's start with the X2 wild cards. I think that is the thing that's drawn the most attention. Uh, if you've been to the Magic Arena subreddit in the last week, endless <laughs> posts and complaints. Uh, same with Twitter and social media. Yeah, people are not happy about paying twice as much for historic cards, wild card wise. What do you guys think about that? Like, first off, do you think it's good? Secondly, why do you think they're doing this? Do you do you put any uh, weight in the argument that Wizards is intentionally making a bad announcement so then they can walk it back and look like the good guys a couple weeks from now, which is one of the big theories running around uh, on the various social media platforms. So I think it's bad because they've defeated the purpose of the wild card. Like, what if I told you that the good mythics in standard cost 2x as much as the bad mythics, right? Because, you know, they're better, right? If it's a fairy in real life, cost $30. Why can't we get it with one? Like, the whole point of wild card is supposed to, you know, make any card of that type. And what Wizards is saying is historic cards are worth more. They're more valuable. You can play them forever. So we're going to make them cost twice as much. Two wild cards. But that defeats the whole point of wild cards. They are using a construct we have from paper magic yeah. in that old cards are more expensive right because old cards they're older right like they didn't print as many they're harder to acquire you just can't go to the store and get some and you know they've used this to prop up their master set modern masters and things like that and then they're like oh but you know we don't want to alienate lgs owners and things like that we just tank the price of all these cards right now we see in a purely digital setting that no longer applies yet they're still trying to charge you more to play historic so i think that's bad uh but i think that's part of their plan right because if you can build a historic deck for the same price of a standard deck and you can play it forever you're not going to make wizards any more money right so they're incentivized yeah. to keep you playing standard and to give you like a passing historic product so you don't feel totally bad but they don't want you playing it all the time in the same way wizards doesn't want you to only play modern or legacy they want you to play limited and standard, right? Because that's what makes the money. When you play the other formats, you either make them no money directly or you're giving it to the secondary market. Uh, and then on Arena, there's a secondary market, so you're not giving them any money. So they're trying to make it more expensive so you don't play it, but then there's something there so you don't feel bad. And I think they're trying to double dip and people are, are pretty mad about that. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's kind of how I see it too. Like, I don't think that Wizards wants Historic to be a heavily played format. I think they, like, it has to exist because you got to be able to do something with your cards after rotation or uh, you lose a lot of the justification for spending money on cards if you're like, oh, like, we're going to have rotation in a year. All these cards that I spent hundreds of dollars on, I can't trade them. I can't dust them. I can't do anything with them. So there has to be some sort of historic format just to, like, solve that problem. But I think, like, the X2 pricing, the way the events kind of come and go, uh, all that stuff, to me, it definitely sends a signal that Wizards doesn't want this to be a heavily played format like it'll exist for people who really want to play it and if you're willing to spend tons of money to put together a historic deck then wizards probably okay with that because they're draining your wild cards but i don't think they want this to be uh, anywhere near as popular as standard on arena 
Yeah. Uh, I, I, I've got, it's also kind of weird they would do that when, you know, they, you want to draw people into your brand new format. And, uh, <laughs> I feel like at launch, hitting people with this kind of news, I don't think many people are going to play unless they already had the cards, like, while it was in standard. Yeah. I think that's definitely a concern. The other thing is, uh, kind of guess transitioning to the other big part of the announcement with the new cards being added, 15 or 20 new cards every quarter. So like four times a year. I think one of the things some people were looking for from historic was maybe paper portability. So maybe this format would develop into something in paper. And I feel like the way that wizards is managing the format with just adding these new cards means that it's very unlikely to have any relevance in paper. Like, uh, could you imagine a modern-type format or frontier-type format where just, like, 15 or 20 random powerful cards were added every three months? Like, I don't think you could keep up with that in paper or would want to try to keep up with that in paper. So it does seem like that kind of locks historic into being arena-only, in my opinion. Yeah. I, de- I definitely yeah. think that it'll just be an arena thing. I mean... I, I don't know how, how they're going. I, I am curious how they're picking these cards, right? They said that they didn't want to just release full sets because they didn't want to just make it so that they spend all this time releasing full sets and only like two cards from each set get like played. Yeah, but that's the beauty of magic, right? Like you release cards and you let the players decide what's meta, right? They released Hogak. They thought Hogak was fine, right? And then the magic community through innovation was like, yes, right? This is how we do it, right? Like we we put all this together and here's a deck. By only 15 to 20 cards, they are shaping the meta, right? And, you know, they're going to dictate what the meta looks like based on these 15 to 20 cards, right? So either they're absurdly good and they, you know, produce a deck that's good like for example imagine if you know seven of those cards were like tron pieces right you you just automatically made tron like there's no questions about it right but if they don't do that these cards won't get played at all right imagine if they just put in like i don't know just like fringe five drops that people played in standard which is what i think they're actually going to do like Like, it's not going to really shake up the meta and you know, the impact of this is basically nothing, right? So my guess is they're actually going to sculpt, right? They're like, oh, okay, this time we're going to power up Dredge or something, and this time we're going to power up Midrange, and they're really going to change Modern, and, like, that's not that's not the appeal of these old formats, right? The, the appeal of these old formats is that they're actually old and stable, so that if you pick up your Jund list from two years ago, you can come in and still have a fighting <laughs> chance and not be like, whoa, what happened here? Like, you know, they introduced Tron and Eldrazi in the meantime, right? Like, so I, I don't, I don't like this. Like, I just don't like how they've done this, right? Like, making it more expensive, curating uh, the format itself uh, because the cards they add are so little. Like, I think they should have just full out made like a couple master sets, kind of like um, what uh, uh, Magic Online did with the Masters editions, right? They didn't when they launched. They didn't have all of Legacy available. Right, but they made several sets, like just packed full of the best cards, and then but the sets were fairly big, and then players could then build the decks they wanted, right? So that also gives you a draft format, which it seems like that would be pretty profitable for wizards. Like, could you imagine if you could draft uh, a master's edition style set? Like, that would be super popular and make wizards a lot of money. So, uh, I would like that too. I think better. I I think number one, I wish they would just start backfilling sets. Uh, Number two, the master's set edition would be sweet. I don't really like this plan. I like it as someone who enjoys enjoys rotation and enjoys formats changing. Like, as a player, I think it's going to be cool to see what new cards show up. On the other hand, I have a really real concern that this will kind of come across a little money-grabby. Like, it would be so easy for this to turn into sort of a rotation almost where like if you see some of the cards they listed off like worm coils and dark confidants and brainstorms those are like (laughs) banned in various restricted and vintage and like broken and modern type cards like those it's not like they named off some random like nostalgic five drop that everyone forgot about uh so i did they confirm those cards will be there or were they just examples those were there we're thinking about cards like this but we want your feedback but this was our list it not confirmed to be in but those were their examples of the type of cards they were looking to add jace oh my god is there a jace <laughs> they will add jace they will most definitely add i think they will 
add iconic planeswalkers. So, so Jace Bellerin. Hopefully it's Mind Sculptor, <laughs> not Bellerin, right? Like, <laughs> and so, what you've been waiting for behind the curtain, Jace Bellerin. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, how do you get into this format? Like, I can play Historic because I have a full standard collection, so I guess, like, it's not too can bad you, for Seth, me. Do you have 20 times 2 wild cards every quarter <laughs> to get the new cards? <laughs> well, that's, that's the issue. Like, I can play Historic when it launches, but... Can I even invest in this format knowing that three months from now, like the entire meta or the deck that I invested X2 wild cards in is just invalidated by some random old cards that Wizards decide to put in the format? Like, how can you... It seems very hard to justify spending a very expensive price compared to standard to play a format that is not stable. Like, the the reason I can feel... Like, when I bought Mono Red Prison uh, in paper... When I bought that deck, I spent like $1,000, and my justification was, like, okay, if I ever need this money, I can sell my Chalice of the Voids and Ensnaring Bridges. Like, I can get most of my money back out of it. That doesn't work that way in Arena. So, like, who can invest X to the price to play a format that your deck could get invalidated any three-month period with these new cards coming in? Like, who's going to play this format? Like, who, who can, in their right mind, like, justify investing that price tag in such an unstable format? Yeah, like, I could see this definitely being a thing where maybe I play it for, um, like, the first two months or something and then yeah once another like once another rotation happens or something like that or or anything or maybe release like 15 cards that i want i i I don't know if i'm gonna be able to pay two wild cards per card and like people are already afraid to spend one wild card right and and the the nice thing about older formats was example i get to try things like pulse of the fields and know that it's like dirt cheap and it's irrelevant i get to meme around but Am I going to meme around if it costs me two times the wild card? You know what I mean? Like, that's just like, oh, sorry, no. I'm only going to try hard this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I- the problem is there's no budget option on Arena, right? Like, in, in modern, you know, just random rare that no one plays is really cheap. Whereas uh, on Arena, all the rares cost the same. Uh, but not only that, it costs 2x now for Historic, and that's going to bite into your your standard playing, right? So maybe you have an excess of wild cards today. Uh, but if you spend them all crafting your historic deck, when the next standard set comes out, you have nothing left, which is kind of what Wizards wants, right? Because then you have to fork over the money to to buy the gems to, to you know to buy the wild cards back, right? But I think people are just not going to play this format. Like it's it's expensive. It doesn't even we don't know how balanced it will be. We don't know how, what it's going to look like. Uh, but you know, making it expensive off the bat is not a way to get people to play. Like this is like a weird marketing ploy, right? Like I think. They will drop the price. I, I don't know if that was their plan initially. I think they actually were trying to just get away with charging people more. <laughs> but uh, but even then, like I don't know. Like it's still a lot of investment to play in this format, which has like very limited support based on how they're treating it. <sighs> kind of a little disappointing. I mean, I, I was kind of hoping that it would be something more than that. So I'm I'm glad it exists. There is technically a way to play your cards after rotation, but. Uh, some of these choices have made me much less excited about the future of the historic format. I think, I mean, I don't want to go too far, but it almost feels like it's just dead on arrival. I can't imagine enough people buying into this format to make it relevant. It feels like extended. That's what it feels would, like. Would, and people don't didn't like that. Would you say that if they if they changed it to one wild card per card, do you still think this, like, do you then think the format would be popular i think that would help but i still think that with some of the the other aspects of it not having a like competitive aspect all the time although maybe that'll come in the future like there are changes they could make that i think would make it more popular but i don't know if they want that like i think they i think they even said in their live stream like arena is about standard like that's the focus of arena as a client uh, so we're going to provide historic but uh, we're remembering that our number one focus is on standard so i'm not sure if wizards would be willing to make enough changes or be so generous with historic that it would actually take off and be like a super popular format i mean i thought it was once again like i do think there is a ranked for it it starts in december i'm going to have to yeah, I'm gonna have to yeah. reread. Like the announcement says, there's ranked play, but right. I remember initially reading the Reddit post. People were very upset of no ranked play. Right. So, so I don't know if they've updated this announcement since then, or people were confused, or were just 
misunderstanding it. Yeah. But, you know, in December, there's ranked play. Like, and it then, starts in, it, like, it's just... Oh, wait, 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 I know what it is. Every quarter, there's ranked play. For one month. There's so d- in December, there's one ranked month play. Quarter. But then it says quarterly, there's also ranked play, which means every quarter you can you can play ranked historic. But And it starts in December. Yeah. So that's that's what it is. And so we're, we're, I remember ta- the Reddit we're looking comments. for People a People were monthly. very upset about this. Like, they're, they're looking for a monthly ranked play. Like, just every like basically month. Yeah. all the time. Yeah, right? all the time. Like, which, you know, just makes it even more absurd, right? Like, oh, you want me to spend 2x the price, get all these new cards, and I can play it once a quarter? Like, for a month? Like, what? Yeah, that it's 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 weird. It's certainly weird, but I don't know. Like like either way, this format would have been unpopular on arrival. Let's say they made it, you know, cheap. Let's say they made a master set. The format would probably still suck, right? Like you probably have to wait a year or two for the card pool to be big enough such that it is sufficiently different from standard yet balanced. Uh, but you know, by handicapping it like this and making it more expensive and limiting everything, it just makes it even deader on arrival. What what if, yeah, like they made it cheaper. They you know they made it ranked every month, but like they started with the earliest set on arena, like just releasing the full sets. Would that make it better? It would be something <sighs> I different. Would, I think the format would kind of still suck, but there'd be less outrage. <laughs> like people would be more understanding, right? People would be like, "Yeah, you know, you have to wait a bit for the card pool to get up." But here, it's just like, "Why are you slapping me in the face, right? <laughs> like, why, why are you charging me even more money? I feel bad." Yeah, I, I, it is, it definitely is a feel bad kind of kind of situation with the the model they have. But you know, like this is kind of like the only thing we're we've got right now for any kind of you know non rotating play on arena. So. For me, I think as someone that does, like, this is the one thing that I kind of find cool is just that someone that constantly plays arena, you know, like all stream all day long and stuff like that. It is nice to play a non-standard format, but what if I just play brawl instead? Like where things wizards would want that, right? I, yeah. I think this, I think that's the point, right? I think the point is. You're like, I could play this, but it's kind of expensive, and I'd rather play this other thing, which actually in the long run is more expensive, but it doesn't feel like it, right? <laughs> and they want you to play Brawl, and they want you to play Standard. Right. But then you feel safe investing in that, because after rotation, you can always play Historic if you want. <laughs> like, I think that's the whole plan, right? I, I think so. Uh, I think I they, they want people to play rotating formats, for the most part, is, is my take on it. Although, I'm still... I talked to a couple Wizards people while I was in Vegas, and told them that they should make Brawl historic, and I think that that would make it better. So we'll see. I'm going to keep pushing for that. Have any of you guys played the H game? The, <laughs> like, oh, I, Hearthstone. I, I, <laughs> yes, I was like, what the, is the, the H, that game? H game? I mean, sorry, yes. yes the H. The H Not recently. <laughs> Hearthstone. Uh, do you guys play Wild at all? Or I did. How, how popular did. is Wild compared to their standard? Well, I've I've heard it's not popular, but I've never played it. Uh, it, it's nowhere near. I don't think it's maybe it's changed. But when I was playing, which was maybe about a year ago, I I played up until Arena's release. Um, and and so yeah, like it was it was still there were still people in it, right? Because it didn't they didn't there <laughs> were a, the, there was a not decent like amount. A endorsement. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> there, there okay, were people okay, that, in it. <laughs> that sounds that sounds much worse than it actually is. Uh, but th- no, there's a decent amount of people in it, and it's just not as much as the standard cues, right? I I think I hit legend, and then uh, hypothetically, if I played the H word, uh, I hit legend, and then upon hitting legend, I was somewhere in the three hundreds of legend, right? And then I climbed my way up fairly easily to about top one hundred. Uh, on, on wild, I guess. So I don't know. I mean, it, it felt fun though. I mean, it, I think that's the thing. Like, does maybe historic wouldn't be a threat to standard anyway? Like, if wild, uh, cause wild on hearthstone, from what I understand, it costs the same, right? You yeah. can dust, the cards cost the same. Like, maybe wizards is being too safe with historic and going too far to make sure it's not competing with standard. Because when you think about it, like standard, you're getting new sets every three months you're getting uh tournament coverage you're getting tons of content like there's a lot of reasons for people to 
play standard over historic anyway. So maybe like charging people double just isn't necessary for wizards to achieve their goal of making sure that standard is the primary format on arena. Yeah. I mean that, that that's kind of just pretty much what pe- like how, how like the, the, like everyone's like viewing it as like why like, I, I'm going to probably just play standard anyways, because you know, if I'm just getting into the game, I'm probably not going to want to play all like the old cards and new cards and learn what they all do. I'm going to just learn what's in standard now because it's the most relevant thing, right? Yeah, and it seems prohibitively expensive for a new... Like, let's say you start playing, I don't know, six months from now, next spring sometime, you pick up Arena. There's no way you're going to spend the amount necessary to build a historic deck over a standard deck like basically no chance it would just be so expensive if you're just starting out and i think that's the other reason i'm worried about the long-term future of the format like it's fine for all of us or like fine ish for all of us who have been playing since the beta and like have a pretty good collection of standard cards that we can build from but if you're just starting off a year from now how are any of those people going to play historic? Like, it just seems way too hard and expensive to get into, and it'll get harder and more expensive as more worm coils and dark confidants and, like, must-own staples keep getting added to the format. So it seems like you'll just, like, slowly get less and less players as it becomes harder and harder for a new player to actually build a collection for it. Unless they fix this. And the format, for some odd reason, the cards they pick are just so much fun that, <laughs> like, what what if, okay, <laughs> this might seem weird, but what if this format is just ridiculously fun? <laughs> like, if, if they add Panharmonicon in the first batch of cards, then then we're good. I'm in. I'm all the way in. I'll pay X4 so, for so my they're gonna Panharmonicons. So they add Panharmonicon, and the only people queued up are you and me. We're just going to yes, battle we, each other yes, all the time. my Panharmonicons <laughs> against your Jaces. <laughs> So before we move on to Fishmail, I, I do want to say something about Seth's point, though, right? The language that they use describing these formats, they always say historic is a place for more experienced players, right? And new players are supposed to go to standard. So that's exactly what they want, right? If you pick up this game, they don't want you playing historic, this thing that you can play forever. They want you to get sucked into the standard treadmill. And then for people like Krim who play like 8 million hours of magic every day and you're like, look, I'm done with standard. Here's this other format I can play. Like, I think that's like their ideal case. They don't want the new player hopping directly onto historic. They want it to be for people who have spent so much time and money in magic, they have nothing better to do. Here's historic, (laughs) right? Like that's the experienced player, right? The advanced player, right? I think the problem is, though, like, let's say you start a year from now and play for two or three years, so you're, like, an experienced or advanced player, it's probably still going to be really uh, prohibitively expensive for you to get into Historic, because you're not going to have the first two years of cards, you're going to miss out on a year of these new cards that are added, like, and everything costs twice as much, assuming that doesn't change, and you can't spend gold, you can only buy the cards with gems, like... Even an experienced player that starts a year from now uh, is going to have a hard time getting into it, I think. But you can say all of that for modern. right? If you use Crim's point, like, what if this format is actually fun, right? If it's actually fun, the fact that it costs 2x or 3x more is kind of what Wizards wants, and that's exactly what modern is, right? For, like, a couple hundred dollars, you can buy a standard deck, but, like, the average... Modern deck starts at like, a thousand. you know, five, six hundred going all the way up to like fifteen hundred, two thousand. Ridiculously expensive and no new player would ever do that. But you know, after years of conditioning of buying like fifty dollar mythics and standard, one day you make the leap and you're like, look, I'm going to spend two thousand dollars on this deck. I'm, I'm going to buy and a here price I am, out of right? scalding like, this, this is how it works, right? <laughs> but, but you don't have the, the, I'm going to spend two thousand dollars, but, if I ever need to, I can trade or sell whatever my cards problem. Like that's true. Are there people that are gonna? I, I'll spend two thousand dollars. People actually sell back their magic decks. <laughs> eventually, a lot of people, I think. Like I think a lot of people eventually like quit the game and sell their cards, or you decide you don't want that deck anymore. You spend a thousand dollars on mono red prison. You're like, I really want to play whatever a stoneforge deck. So you trade away your expensive stuff to like build a new deck. 
I find that oftentimes I will say that I'm going I'm going to buy this because I can always sell it later, but I never sell it. And, yeah. <laughs> and it gets reprinted into the ground. Oh, these Tarmogoyfs get the, how much are they now? They're like 30 bucks. <laughs> okay, cool. It at least helps psychologically. Even if I, I probably will never sell my mono red prison deck, but the thought that I could made me feel okay about pulling a thousand dollars out of my pocket for cardboard. <laughs> I was telling you guys, I, I was like sorting all my cards, building the Oathbreaker decks and stuff. And I'm like, I have a lot of money in cards, which I like totally forgot about, right? Like I have like several thousands of dollars. And I'm like, should I bring my trade binder to, to Magic Fest Vegas? And I'm like, do I need to carry around like, you know, I don't know what it is, like $10,000 worth of stuff? Right? Like this seems really bad, right? And it just creeps up on you, right? You get used to it couple dual lands here a couple lilianas there and like you're like wow this is a lot of money like what am i doing with my life like i don't know <laughs> if i actually process like if i when i sit down and think about it like yeah if i have all these expensive cards i i then get scared to bring them out i get scared to shuffle them so i just don't think about how much the cards cost because i'm like oh hold on actually i'm gonna drop from the tournament i don't want to shuffle my foil jace <laughs> Uh, all right, so we should probably move on. We're running a bit long. We gotta hit up some fish mail this week because we missed it last week. So, Richard, fish mail us, please. All right, if you have questions, send them to at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fish Mail, and we'll get to your questions on air. So, good news, boys. We've answered like half the questions because they're <laughs> about historic and new modern. Uh, so, I'm gonna try to find some uh, very specific questions. Looking for non-modern <laughs> questions. <laughs> um, I'm still going. Mm, okay, how about this? How about this one? How about this one? This is a modern question, but it's slightly different. Uh, actually, no, wait. I changed my mind. I changed my mind. Okay, here. <laughs> Alex32359. I'm thinking of getting back into modern after a four-year hiatus. My favorite decks are grindy mid-range decks with recursion slash disruption, but I don't want to spend $2,000, so that rules out Jund. What do you guys recommend? Uh, as for so rules out Stoneforge decks. <laughs> Stoneforge is expensive. We didn't talk about it, but Stoneforge and basically every equipment and every Coligan's command like went up by like a million dollars. Yeah, they all like doubled pretty much. Like Stoneforge <laughs> is like seventy bucks or something like that. I mean, I would rec like if you like grindy games, you could and you don't want to spend like a billion dollars. You could try to go for the Vizier combo deck. I know that it has combo in the name, but you actually kind of grind mostly. Yeah, maybe maybe Death and Taxes could work. That's like one of the cheaper ish decks. It's kind of like in that in that space a little bit. I uh, there, man, modern is expensive right now. I'm just like looking at these deck prices like, wow, like well, everything costs so much money at the moment. You could go Mardu Shadow if you want. That's popular and it's it's pretty grindy. It, the fetch lands. Well, the fetch, I guess, okay. To me, it's not as expensive because they're not playing, because it's not playing blue. So yeah, fetch lands are still like 30 bucks, but... It's better than $100 for, like, a Scalding Would, would one consider Merfolk a mid-range deck? No. no. <laughs> mm, not really. What is it, an no. aggro deck? It's, like, so slow. <laughs> I think it's, like, it, I consider it aggro. It's still Even aggro. though it's not the fastest but, but the aggro. the Silver Gill of Death Value, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I think if you want to save money, you got to go, like, monocolored decks, right? So burn? But you, but you're, not, you're not trying to grind with burn, I, I think, if you're grinding with burn. The, is, is big red a thing? How about no. mono red prison? Mono red prison is like, I guess it's cheap compared to Junder Stoneforge decks. There's like mono green prison or land destruction, which is actually really fun and cheap, although it's definitely like kind of a third tier deck. It's not going to win you a GP most likely, but at 5 O's a league once in a while. Also, uh, I guess maybe this is more controlly than mid range, but I really like the, like the wilderness reclamation mystical teachings decks. They're kind of in that space a little bit and they're a little bit cheaper than, than well, some of the other decks out there. But then you have to buy blue fetches. And they're usually in Sultai, right? So you need like Delta, Misty, and then Verdant. I, I think the the builds I'm looking at are actually leaning mostly on Prismatic Vista. Like Prismatic Vista, a bunch of basic lands, and maybe like three non-Prismatic Vista fetch lands, which helps keep the price down a little bit. Yeah, I mean, well, Prismatic Vista is about the same price as like uh, a cheap fetch land. That's right? true, like 20, but it's cheap right? for a blue fetch land. Yeah, yeah. Like a, yeah. if you can play it, replace a blue fetch land with it, yeah. I mean, yeah, right. that, that's a that's a deck you can build. Oh crap! What now? 
that's their Twitter handle. <laughs> How would you enjoy a spell skite that had cost colon grant me hexproof? I always thought it'd be fun to use the stack like that. Wait, so I could pay two life to give myself hexproof? Self hexproof, yes. Oh, that's way too broken. <laughs> that's and it, it, it costs Phyrexian mana? Like, can you imagine just sitting there with that and just like, <laughs> oh, that's so cute. Did you just try to discard spell me <laughs> at sorcery speed? I mean, is it too broken? Maybe it is. We have like Leyline. It's a good sideboard card, right? I, I think it would be pretty broken. <laughs> to, okay, so it does everything that Spellskite does and gives you hexproof? No, I, I think it only gives you hexproof. Only gives me hexproof. So instead of protecting it'd be like, permanence, it'd be like it having a ley line on a creature. It's not like it's a sideboard card, right? Like I, I wouldn't. I don't think you could main deck this. Could, I, I could mean, you? I, I think you could. There's. I mean, especially right now, if everyone's just trying to fling like fireballs at your face. <laughs> but it, it, I mean, it it saves you what like one life, one point five life on average. <laughs> like it's not. Well, I think it would actually be fine. I, yeah. I don't think it would be that bad. Like uh, I don't. I don't imagine I would main deck it. Maybe in certain metas, like if you're trying to, there's times when you main deck Leyline of Sanctity if you're <laughs> the meta is in the right place. But I don't think it would be like an evergreen main deck card. Uh, I, I think it, it would probably like work. if it's if it's dirt cheap though. If it's like one two mana or something like that. Like if I'm I'm thinking literally just a two mana O four, but with that ability. Of course, I was also think that it could protect your creatures, so that's why that'd be broken. Yeah. Um, you didn't but, even play creatures, Krim. Oh, yeah. Uh, what creatures are you trying to protect? Excuse me, Batter Skull. <laughs> makes a germ and on top of that <laughs> snapcaster <laughs> but but yeah like i i think that would be just decent if it, if it were just the give yourself hexproof thing right i mean you you kind of already have that with like what agus of the gods yeah that just what gives, that card does. that's what two mana one two that just gives you hexproof yeah it's from theros huh. block that never sees play i yeah, think i played yeah. it in budget decks a couple times but other than that i don't think it's ever seen i mean play. i think for people that are really scared so like what what can go to your face right either a finisher like grape shot uh well, they can just... a discard spell or burn spells and usually people have other ways of dealing with burn and storm and uh the new modern horizons card um what is it? Autumn, Summer's Veil? Autumn's Veil? I forgot it. Yeah, Veil of that, Summer. That thing's a blowout. <laughs> so, but you have to play green, though. So, I guess it depends what color this creature is as well. Because the Theros one, I'm assuming, is not colorless, It's right? white. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, All right. that, that uh, is not worth. Benjamin with the T. Is there any reason I should convert my rock deck into Jund in Modern, considering <laughs> the new meta shift? Richard. Ooh, that's, a, that's a Richard <laughs> question. I don't know about convert. Like, I'm pretty sure, like... You're going to spend like 2x the price of your current deck to get the red in Jund. I would proxy it and test it. I personally don't like Jund right now, but it's a lot of money, right? With the red in sixes, the seasoned pyromancers, the red mana base, the new fetches and the new lands. Cool, like It's a significant now. change. So I actually think you're basically starting from scratch, right? <laughs> so uh, I would actually proxy it up and see if you like Jund. I actually don't like Jund right now. Or if you have like Moto, you could log online because it Jund obviously isn't an arm and a leg online. So you could try That's to... still an arm and a leg online. <laughs> it is? It's cheaper than paper, but it's still like... To rent? I mean, you can just rent it, right? There's so many like rental programs. Yeah, but relative to others. So I'm looking at this random list here. Uh, Jund is about 800 ticks online and 1,700 in paper. It's a lot of so money. it's still I, 800 ticks. I mean, running six is like 400 ticks for three copies yeah. right now. <laughs> it's so ridiculously expensive online. Like I told the story, but I want—I I was looking to upgrading my deck to go to Vegas, and I'm like, it's like 500 bucks just to pick up like running sixes and some seasoned firemancer ley lines, right? I'm like, uh, thank you, I'll pass. I mean, it it's is uh, actually really expensive to add the red if you don't have red yet. It's it up is to a 130. 130 ticks. That's so insane. It was 18, 18 ticks in June, and now it's the first of September, cool. and it is 130. Yeah. You know, it, it, they almost got, they finally got Jun to a point where it was affordable. And then, then in six <laughs> I've realized this, that Jun will always be expensive, because any car that goes into Jun is usually like just best in class, period. And those usually command a really high price in standard. 
because uh, they're, they're usually, if they're standard playable, they'll be really expensive, right? And then if they're not standard playable, it's a master set, so it's going to be really expensive anyway. So <laughs> and, Fatal and Push was our like lucky budget include in the last like three years or whatever. Well, it was it's, it only recently became budget, right? Because when it came out, it was not budget. <laughs> I, yeah. I know that. <laughs> All right. Last question. T Fun 501 Would it be possible to create a list for what might be considered a historic staple for soon to rotating sets? Let's say rotate. It will feel bad to get two wild cards. All right, what's what's your play on this guy? So Sorry. right now, Hero of hold on, hold on, hold on. So we could buy cards right now at one wild card instead of two wild cards, right? However, do we think they're gonna roll back the two wild card change and make it one wild card anyway? And you should just wait, or should you stock three fairies? <laughs> I'm gonna just assume they don't, right? Like if they don't roll it back, like is that is that like? I can still come up. I, I can come up with a list, and then with uh, assuming that they don't roll it back. If they don't roll it back, I'd probably look to stuff like History of Benalia, to Fairy, um, mostly just and like actually I'd look to more so the the shock like the the like glacial fortresses, the drowned catacombs, the the the, the buddy lands. Pretty much, I'd be looking into all the key rares right now because rare wild cards are the ones that are the most difficult to come by because you need the most of them uh, of all the rare cards of all the wild cards. So, I'd load up on all the staple rares that I could, and I'd start with the mana base. I think that's good advice. I also was gonna say you can look at the format staple page for standard, which will essentially be historic at the starting point. So uh, that can give you a good starting point to just like see what's doing well in standard, and at least until we start getting new cards, uh, a lot of the same cards should do well in historic. Uh, assuming Throne of Valdrain itself doesn't shake things up too much, but it should give you a good idea of the staples. Also, like honestly. I don't know if I would recommend someone buying into Historic at this point. I might just wait and see, like, I just, I don't know. If you think it's going to be fun and you're excited about it, go for it. But I honestly think financially, and as far as how much gameplay you can do with a format, you're probably better off spending, making sure your standard collection is up to par first. Like, if you're buying Historic stuff and not having everything you need for standard, you're probably kind of doing MTG Arena backwards a little bit. Yeah, I would wait. So I would say, I would follow what Krim said, but I would wait until uh, late October to do anything because November is when they're officially increasing the price two to one. Uh, So if you wait until October, you have at least another six weeks or eight weeks of either more information. So they'll give us more information about historic or they'll make changes right? But whatever the changes are, maybe they'll add more cards, maybe they'll reduce the rate, but you still have quite a bit of time and you don't really lose anything from waiting, right? It's not like paper or magic online where the price is going to increase as people catch on and things like that. Like the price will be one wild card until uh, at least until end of October. So I just wait until then. And then that's when you can go craft everything. If you're all gung-ho on uh, historic, once we have all the information. Uh, so that's all the fish mail uh, we have time for this week. Thank you to everyone who sent them in. If you have questions, you can send them to at MTGGoldfish with the hashtag MTGFishMail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And I believe that that brings us to the end of episode 240 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Grimm, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks again to Spikes Academy for supporting the show. You can get 5% off over at SpikesAcademy.com with the code GOLDFISH. So, thank you to them as well. And on that note, we'll be signing out for the week. So, we'll be back next week. I believe Throne of Eldraine spoilers will have started by then. Uh, keep an eye out. Apparently, there's some preview show at some point that hasn't been announced tomorrow if you want an early fix of Throne of Eldraine. So we'll be back to talk about all that and anything else that happens in the world of magic. So until then, this is the crew signing out. <laughs>